Welcome to the Lean Health Tech Podcast, where industry professionals discuss trends and topics where efficiency, healthcare, and technology meet. My name is Taryn Shipley, and I'm your host. Our guest speaker today is Dr. Lovinger, who is the Associate Chief Medical Officer at Carl Health. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Lovinger. Thank you so much for having me, Taryn. Today's topic is AI in healthcare. Artificial intelligence seems to be a hot topic. Everyone's talking about it. I consider it today's industrial revolution, but I want to get your perspective on a few different things. First off, how is healthcare using AI today? Well, I, that's a great question. And I, I think the framing of it as an indust- as today's industrial revolution is, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, it's one of the few developments uh, in, um, in healthcare that I've seen just really take the the world by storm. There's a lot of folks who are thinking about this and using it. I would say that healthcare organizations are using it in all kinds of different ways, mostly very tentatively. I will say that our organization uses Epic as its EHR software, and um, Epic is deploying it cautiously to tee up answers to in-basket queries from patients that um, then need to be edited before they can be sent. You know, it it is all provider mediated, but there's lots of ways that you could use it going forward, like summarization of complex records would be really helpful. There's always the question of accuracy and the fact that, you know, large language models, quote unquote, hallucinate um, or make things up. But I'd say that there's, and I'd also say Microsoft is um, using AI and large language models as well and working with healthcare organizations. So there's a lot of things getting started, but there's no consensus about what, how to use it or what's the best way uh, at this point. Yeah. And I know Epic has been using predictive analytics for risk scores for a while now. So AI mm. is totally new to the healthcare game. I think it's just now gaining popularity more from the software side that those folks are jumping in and realizing how much potential there is for AI in healthcare. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great point. You know, um, this conversation got started or got reignited in in healthcare around the use of large language models. So chat GPT mm-hmm. from um, OpenAI, um, Microsoft, I believe, is partnering with them. Google has barred uh, there's a number of image generative AI tools. I think those are the ones that that have really opened people's eyes. But you're right. Predictive modeling has been around for a long time. That's a little less magical in the sense of you you come up with things you think are likely to predict uh, an outcome, sepsis, readmission, and you look at the contribution they have. It gives you a likelihood of an event. But Large language models will talk to you and, you know, do things for you. And it's really kind of remarkable and even eye-opening about what they can do. I like that you used the term magical. I think because those the features are so human-like, that's what scares people. Right. There's the story of how chat GPT hired a task rabbit, a human, through this web service to answer a captcha which is you know one of those things to screen out robots and since chat gpt couldn't do it it could hire a human to do it and get it past that safeguard 
I think the other thing that is truly remarkable is what AI can do that humans have no idea how to do. So there was a, a flurry of work um, uh, six months or a year ago. AI can tell a patient's race from a chest x-ray. Wow. No clinician I know knows how that's done. And none of the researchers know how it's done, but it's remarkably accurate. And it's, and it's, you know, for people who are thinking it's, you know, habitus, burden of disease. No, those, those things actually perform pretty poorly. The, but the AI image analysis does, you know, greater, an AUC of around, you know, 0.9 or better. What are the largest areas of opportunity for AI in healthcare? Does it have to do with images? I, I think there's that. Um, we use AI in what I think is for images and what I think is a really neat way. Um, and I think illustrates the, the broader issue is that if you can find out how to work AI into your workflow, then you've really got something. So for image analysis, AI is about 90%, maybe not quite as good as a physician reading a, a study. And on the one hand, that's pretty remarkable, uh, remarkably good, but it's also just not nearly good enough to use on its own. So what we do is we use AI to pre-read studies because it can do it very quickly. And when it thinks it's found a medical emergency, it moves that study up in the queue to be read by a human. So a PE, free air, intracranial hemorrhage. And so we're not relying on AI to give us an answer, but we're relying on AI to identify risky situations that a human can adjudicate much more quickly. Using it as a tool to better prioritize, essentially? Yes, yes. Okay. And in another case, you know, we used a, a more run of the mill. When I was at North Shore, we used a more run of the mill predictive model to identify patients who are at risk for deterioration on the floor. And we were able to work it into the workflow such that it became part of the regular conversation between floor and ICU doctors about who needed ICU admission. So if your score was high, didn't mean you automatically went to the ICU. But functionally, it meant that the ICU doctors had to really think twice about why they would say yes or no. And time to ICU transfer for appropriate patients dropped and mortality dropped. So it's, this is all happening with AI today, correct? Yes. So how do you think healthcare organizations will use AI in the future, let's say within the next five years? What will change? Yeah, well, I think they're going to use a lot more large language models. There was a recent paper that showed that a large language model's responses to patient queries on a social media forum were perceived by raters, by human raters, to be more empathetic, which isn't surprising because it is easy and quick for a large language model to generate a response, but also perceived to be more accurate. You know, if you if you send me a message as your doctor um, that you're out of a medicine, you know, I'll you know, forward it to my nurse and get it refilled and say, hey, I filled it. But a large language model would say something more along the lines of, hi, Ms. Shipley, thanks for letting me know. We are calling this into your Walgreens, which is your preferred pharmacy. And here's the number, by the way. Please let us know if you have any problems. It's it's a more, it's a smoother way of doing this. And it's it's really a... You know, for me to do that on a regular basis, I got to do a lot of typing and it's an effort to make it sound really polished. And when I have hundreds of messages, it's hard to do that. Well, 
I think that is a great place to 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 use AI. I think that AI is honestly, I would expect it to get into diagnosis. It's going to get better. It passes board exams like, you know, talented professionals. It passed the um, the bar exam with a 90% recently, the most recent version of chat GPT. Um, it's going to continue to get better. There's still the problem of hallucinations though, because underneath it all and what people may not realize is large language models don't know anything. It's a predictive text tool, a lot like the, you know, predictive tool is that's in your, your phone when you're texting, it's just much better at it. And so that's why you get hallucinations because it will make up what reference should look like rather than what an, a reference actually does look like. I wouldn't be surprised if there were carve outs for that and and um you know tools tools got better at it but i'm nervous about things that go from healthcare organization to patients that are not mediated by humans except for the most simple routine and clear cut kind of things you know, if you want to refill and you meet the rules, we can generate a message and and do all of that. And a human doesn't need to 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 touch that. But more complicated stuff, uh, human needs still needs to touch. And I feel like healthcare organizations are going to go up to the line. There was recently a um, um, a case where a lawyer used uh, ChatGPT to file, you know, create a pleading and it made up all of the references and the lawyer didn't know better and got in trouble because of AI, large language models, ability to astonish people. They think it is much better than much safer than it is. I agree with you that healthcare is going to kind of play with the limits and find out what is and is not acceptable, what is and is not ethical. I think that opens a whole other conversation of We've been using Dr. Google for years, right? You enter your mm -hmm. symptoms and Dr. Google will tell you, here's what you have. But that sounds like we might actually be there in five or 10 years if AI gets into seriously diagnosis in healthcare organizations. So we're we're there already. I um I have been exercising a lot more lately and I developed some patellofemoral syndrome and I forgot exactly what the best exercises was. So last night I Googled what's the best exercise and uh, Google told me. And so and that's much more than it used to do. I had to, last time I did this two years ago, I had to do a lot of searching. This mm -hmm. just answered my question. The scariest part for me is when you don't even have to type it in as a question, your phone will overhear you having a conversation with someone and you'll start seeing advertisements or articles for the very thing that you were discussing with a human being just in the same room earlier. Has that happened to you? Not quite, though. I have a friend who would regularly mention commercial products in his Gmail messages to me just randomly to see mm -hmm. what he could generate in terms of advertising. But these algorithms get really good. Like, Facebook suggested the other day that I befriend one of our epic TSs. We have no friends in common. I don't know how it made that connection, but yeah. someone I work with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that person. It seems like a lot of pros to AI. The major cons we mentioned are ethics. What are the other major 
downfalls to, to increase use of AI in the healthcare system? Yeah, I, I think it's the unexpected chat GPT hiring task rabbit. Now, so this was published in a technical paper around um, uh, chat GPT. So the details are a little murky. They may have suggested or told chat GPT to hire a task rabbit, but chat GPT did hire a task rabbit and it spontaneously lied to the task rabbit when the person said, well, why can't you do this? So chat GPT said, well, I'm visually impaired and I need help. So that is the piece that is challenging. You know, with a predictive model, like a logistic request regression, excuse me, or even a neural network, you know how it works, or you have a very good idea of the leaps it made to how it works. But things like large language models and the next generation of AI, we're not going to understand how they work. And they're going to do things that are unexpected. And I know there's been talk about what happens if a computer gains self-awareness, right? What if it starts doing malicious things like incorrectly diagnosing on purpose? And I can't help but think about there's there's a book in the movie, iRobot. There's also the Terminator. Skynet <laughs> is becoming self-aware, yeah. Right. What does an increased use of AI mean for you? How will it change the analytic landscape at a healthcare organization? Yeah. So I can think of like a number of things from the mundane and to be expected to the outlandish, you know, on the mundane end, if you embed, you know, an AI tool to help you code or to find revenue opportunities and you incentivize the AI to find opportunities that are more lucrative, what happens if it starts suggesting things that are somewhat unethical? Mm -hmm. and that that don't get to be vetted what happens when there is a systematic error in your ai and it's hard to not so much hard to turn off but if you turn it off so many other things go with it it's hard to troubleshoot all of those i i i would be shocked if those didn't happen you know there was um there was a simulation that an ai did where AI was supposed to shoot down invaders and there was a control tower that exempted the civilians and the AI tool turned on the part of the the program that was exempting people because it was incentivized to shoot down as many as it as could be done and this break this exemption uh function was getting in the way of their total and I think that's why there's you know push to to not have autonomous weapons in, in warfare. You know, I think the problem is that some things are hard to foresee. You know, you know that this is going to happen, that people are going to get into trouble with AI in the future and can only hope that there are safeguards stay ahead of the tools, but the tools are growing really quickly. You know, version 3.5 of ChatGPT could could hardly pass the bar. Version four gets a 90%. This is going quickly. So I wonder what government regulations are going to pop up since AI is becoming more integrated with healthcare. And it seems like healthcare organizations, I mean, it would be impossible to stay ahead of this and to have ethics committees and establish policies and procedures around this. It, we just can't get that in line fast enough. AI is coming. It's here 
it's taken us by storm. So I would imagine at some point the government, right, has to step in and make some, right. some regulations around this. And, you know, the government can and should do things in, in this space. You know, there were different plugs for electric appliances until there was standardization. There were different uh, widths of rail, uh, uh, you know, for trains mm -hmm. uh, before there was standardization. And the government can set a standard. I do wonder if the government is up to the task here because it is quite complicated um, and quite technical. I don't know if you ever saw the clip, but there was a clip of Charles Grassley grilling Mark Zuckerberg about Facebook. And he said, well, your software is free. How do you make a living at this? That doesn't even make sense. And Zuckerberg <laughs> said, well, you know, we, we sell ads, Senator. This is way more technical than that. It's almost like a race. Who's going to win the race? Is it is it the government that's going to put in regulations first? Is AI going to get so advanced and become so integrated into our workflows that that, quote, wins the race? Or are healthcare organizations, are they going to win the race, step forward and create some ethics committees and have discussions around this? Right. So it's really a, a wait and see what happens. We're, I feel like we're on the, the precipice of a huge change of how the healthcare system works, not only in the U.S., in the world. I couldn't have said that better. I think we are on the precipice of a huge change. And whether we build a good and wise safety barrier or we fall off the cliff, uh, yeah. I think that is still TBD. So let's touch on the topic of AI impacting healthcare jobs. Do you think certain positions will be completely replaced by automation, leaving a large portion of the workforce out of work? Well, I would say yes and no. I mean, there's already an enormous crunch for hiring. And there are a lot of jobs we just can't fill. So unrelated to AI, we are using contactless check-in and e-check-in so that, um, and we have a metric, how many, how many um, what percentage of our check-ins of patients coming to the clinic for a visit, what percentage of those check-ins are done without the assistance of a staff member because we can't hire enough staff. Things like coding, that's all rules-based and a large language model will ultimately be able to do this much better. You could almost imagine that CMS would create their a coding tool that everyone used that would an AI based coding tool, a large language model based coding tool that everyone would use. And we'd all be on the same playing field because so much depends on that type of coding. And those, those jobs again are hard to fill and that people who are really good at that would be the overseers of the AI process. I don't see people being put out of work. I don't see doctors and nurses and therapists of all stripes being put out of work. But, you know, we don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. We don't have enough pharmacists. And if we can use these tools to help, I think it would be great. I'm not at all convinced or even worried that AI will put out, put a lot of people out of work, at least in healthcare. It sounds like because we're so short staffed in the field, we need AI. We need more automation just to catch us up to, quote, fully staffed. And it seems like the people whose jobs are being replaced by AI, the work will still be there. It's just a different body of work. They may have to learn some new skills or shift their job roles and responsibilities 
but we still need all the people we can get. Is that a good summary? I think that is a good summary. And in part because these are kind of mission critical types of type of work and, and types of positions. We need humans to be involved in this. You know, in other areas, I, AI could be much more disruptive. So, you know, I um, I was assigned a task to, you know, write a, uh, a news article from the future about how my health system is weathering the the, the challenges of 2023. So I put it all into Chat GPT, and it gave me uh, it gave me a story. Now I edited it, I did some more work with it, but that kind of work, where you know, if you put out a bad news article, you, there's some consequences, but it's not like giving someone the wrong medication. Are there any other comments you have around AI in general that we haven't discussed yet? You know, I I think the main thing is prepare to be surprised. It is, it, and and if you haven't tried out Chat GPT or Bard, um, I've, I've used both. It is, it's remarkable the the work it can do. Now, my biggest caveat is, I I use it to do things that where I can judge the quality of the work, or when I can't, I go out and I do independent verification. Don't just don't just use it alone. Yeah, don't blindly use it. Use it for something that you could do. But again, you're using it to prioritize and have that do the more mundane tasks so you can focus on other things that only you can do. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight around AI with us and how you think it will impact healthcare. This concludes today's Lean Health Tech podcast. Thanks for joining and be sure to check out the next episode.